Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello again, or perhaps for the very first time to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie discussion based in Chico, California. I'm Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. This week on the show, we have our review of the new film, Nobody, starring comedian-turned-dramatic-actor-turned-action-hero Bob Odenkirk as a man who, after failing to defend himself and his family during a break-in, can finally take it no longer. We've got beers from our friends down at Dust Bowl Brewing in Turlock, California. First, we'll be drinking a Baltic porter called Public Enemy, and then... After that, in the second half of the show, a mega IPA called Prone, which clocks in at a whopping ABV of makes me wish you and I were recording in the same room, Johnny, so that we could share this can percent, a.k.a. 14.5% ABV. That's right. It's a big mamma jamma. We will unpack step-by-step the tooth-and-nail battle that was fought in the final four matchups of Beer Madness. If you don't know, that's our March Madness-style single elimination tournament where we put New England IPAs head-to-head, and you, the listener, get to decide which ones will rise to glory and which ones will fall into the dusty annals of our collective podcast memory. To all of our listeners at KZFR, you'll get our review of that Baltic Porter from Dust Bowl, the final four results, and the first portion of our discussion of Nobody, which will, of course, be spoiler-free. To hear the full discussion, find this episode, plus more than 200 other film and beer conversations, dating all the way back to 2016 at any of the following places. Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a rating and a review, or any other place that quality podcasts are found. Yeah, if you're a social media person, you can follow us on Instagram for photos, Letterboxd for film reviews, and Untapped for beer reviews. All of those will be at Fresh Hop Cinema. Want to cast your vote in Beer Madness? Check out our virtual home at www.freshhopcinema.com. If you want to write us more than a sentence or two, or even want to send us a voice memo, Find yourself a digital envelope, lick that baby closed, stamp it to fhccast at gmail.com, and shove it in the old electronic mailbox. We will read it, and you might even earn yourself a shout-out on the show. If you want to support our show financially, you can do that on patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. It's a great way to keep our show rolling. You can give us a dollar a week, and you get access to all sorts of fun bonus content, including bonus movie reviews, uh, beer reviews. And this week, to all of our patrons, I hope you saw it in your feed, we had our first part of our top 10 films of 2020. We did 10 through 6 in the, yeah, in that order, going back and forth. It was a pretty good talk, and uh, part 2 will be in your feeds this Sunday. But I did want to play it. We reached out to patrons, and a couple other folks um, wrote us in about their favorite movie. So I wanted to give a couple shout-outs. We got one that was not an audio file, but I'm going to read it anyways because I really like this movie. Um, But we also got some audio clips, so we'll play them back and forth. Um, So thanks in advance to... Uh, everybody that we're about to hear from. I'm going to start with our friend and patron, Brian McAllister. And he wrote this. Hey guys, I am not going to have time to record this before I submit it, but my pick was color out of space for my top movie of 2020 being on the road constantly media wise. I've gravitated towards audiobooks, and before long found that I hadn't delved enough into HP Lovecraft's work. Gothic horror, ambiguity, impending doom, and mystery has always been my cup of tea, and the Necronomicon delivered absolutely. Seeing this film was uh, what sparked my interest, as the Lovecraft short story of the same name was incredibly dark, mysterious, emotional, and touched just enough of that sci-fi itch. I'm not usually a big fan of Nick Cage, but he crushed this performance. Amidst the meteor landing and all of those horrific space colors being unleashed, I found myself really appreciating that Richard Stanley had paid such close attention to the plotline that Lovecraft created. He definitely did the story justice while also adding his own timeline and setting update. Johnny, you saw Colorado Space. 
I have not. Have you still not seen it? Mm-mm. Oh man. Yeah. I remember I saw it and it's one of those movies like, um, like possessor, which we talked about on Patreon, um, that I feel like you would just love. And I was so confused as to why I loved it because it's so mm. gooey and weird and creepy. Um, but it, some about it draws you in. So I think, uh, I think that's a pretty good pick from, uh, from our friend, Brian. Nice. I'll have to check that one out. It's on my list. I just need to prioritize it. Yeah. All right. Here's uh here's what Jared, Jared Schmidt had to say. Hello, gentlemen. It is me, Jared Schmidt. Uh, I was requested to send you my favorite movies of the year. And, uh, To be completely candid, I have not watched a lot of current movies this year. I've mostly been re-watching comfort movies, like Forgetting Sarah Marshall 17 times, uh, just because it's been a crazy year. However, I did go back to my uh, letterbox and looked, and my top four movies that came out this year were Onward, Relic, The Devil All the Time, and My Octopus Teacher. Now, I have actually watched some movies that are not dated, but didn't come out this year. Uh, And I also made a list of those. My number one being a tie between Spirited Away and The Florida Project, followed by The Farewell, Good Time, and Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, I hope I get this in in time. And uh, yes, love you guys. I the one on here that I haven't seen is My Octopus Teacher. It's up for best that was documentary. So good. I know, and I like. I know. I don't know a whole lot about it, but everything everything I've heard is like it's pretty emotional. And I just I haven't found the time yet, or maybe I haven't. I've purposely not maybe sat down and, and exposed myself to whatever like human animal friendship and anthropomorphizing nonsense will happen that I'm a sucker for. Um, but you have seen that one, Johnny. Yes, it was very good. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to catch up with it myself. But uh, yeah, Jared, thanks for writing in. We also heard from my friend Sophie on Patreon. Hi, this is Sophie. I'm a long-distance Patreon member from LA. Um, I would say that my favorite movie of 2020 was Sound of Metal. Um, From start to finish, I was fully invested in the story. It really made me think about how fragile life can be and how some challenges have to be embraced instead of fixed, per se. I also thought that the sound production was fantastic yeah that's it yeah sound of metal johnny you liked sound of metal loved it we covered it back on episode 199 where another film from your top 10 list possessor was also on so i think a pretty good pretty good week that week huh Mm-hmm. yeah it was a great week for movies for me yeah sophie sent in that voice memo and i and i texted her back saying like hey yeah i mean sound of metal didn't quite make either of our top 10s but we both really loved it and it's definitely a movie that deserves some love. It's got six Academy Award nominations, so it's getting that love. Uh, just wasn't from us. So, Sophie, thanks for uh, thanks for throwing that one in the ring. I think it's a, a good choice. Now, is it safe to say that that movie's in both of our top 20s of the year? Yeah, I, I double-checked. I think it's my 14 or 15. Okay. Years, yeah, it's years definitely two. in yeah. mine. Um, and then let's hear from our friend Big Bald. We haven't heard from him in a minute. Uh, and he gave us, I think, a list of his top maybe eight and a, a dishonorable nod to the worst movie of the year. This is the Big Bald And these are my top eight movies of 2020 that I actually saw, in no particular order. Onward, Extraction, Trial of the Chicago 7, Hamilton, Soul, Palm Springs, The Way Back, and Sonic the Hedgehog. My worst movie of 2020, because I will always take a chance to shit on this movie whenever I can, was Wonder Woman 1984. Okay, so when we got that, I thought he he tagged Sonic the Hedgehog at the end, and I didn't see Sonic. Johnny, did you? 
No. So he said it like, I only heard there was that snafu about the CGI where they had to like redo him and he looked too photo real or creepy or something. Do you hear about that? Yeah. They wanted to redo his teeth or something. <laughs> his teeth, like human teeth. And it freaked people out. Yeah. Uh, so big bald. If you get a chance, I thought maybe that was a sarcastic pick. And then you were like, there's also Wonder Woman. And I didn't uh, watch that either, but I heard nothing but terrible things. Yeah. Haven't heard one good thing about that movie. Yeah. But you know, I'm glad somebody mentioned it. It's, it was nice to be reminded of that movie. We also talked about our, our, you know, the movies to avoid on our, the, the end of our Patreon list. So you'll get those. And I don't think that crossed our minds, but Mulan was up there for me. Another one, just, just a stinker of a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And speaking of bad movies, I suppose we need to give Brandon Duran his shout out. Here's a, uh, here's Brandon with his, uh, his only movie he saw. Hey guys, my name's Brandon Duran. I like long walks on the beach, playing with my dog, and listening to Fresh Hop Cinema because Johnny and Max are the best. Thanks to the pandemic, the only movie that I was able to see in the movie theaters was uh, Unhinged, and that movie sucked. Yeah, Unhinged. Johnny, we talked about this briefly. It was with, I think, Russell Crowe, was it? Yeah. Uh, ye- oh, yeah. Yep, no, it was. We did talk about this because we were joking about, like, like all the different Russell Crowe roles, if he were modern day Russell Crowe, like in Gladiator, like just like mm-hmm. the boozed up, washed out kind of whatever. Like puffy Crowe. Man, it would have been great. Um, all right. Very lastly, I want to hear from my friend Lauren Lindley, who started off very vindicating for me because I loved Dick Johnson. And then she even messaged us after listening to our episode where we covered it. And she was just like, I don't I don't get it. Like Johnny doesn't love it. I don't understand. And she was like, can I talk about this? Yeah, you can give him shit for that all you want. So here's here's Lauren's thoughts uh, in addition to Dick Johnson, her, uh, her movie of the year. Hey, my name is Lauren Lindley. I am a fan of the podcast and a friend of Max's from Lake Tahoe, California. Uh, I'm calling, first of all, to chastise Johnny for not understanding or being able to get past the constructs and way that Dick Johnson and Dead is set up to realize that what she was doing was creating a lasting memory of her father to keep forever that she could immortalize even after his death. Uh, That movie was fucking brilliant. Um, My favorite movie of 2020 is probably A Promising Young Woman just because the script subverted my expectations at every single turn and I found it thoroughly enjoyable and original. Uh, But there were so many gems of movies this year in a year where I thought that, frankly, we weren't going to get any. Um, I loved Mank. I loved the Sorkin-ness of uh, Trial Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, I loved Minari. Uh, There were so many great movies this year, and I still have a couple to watch. But, uh, yeah, thanks for the podcast, you guys. And, uh, Johnny, let your guard down sometime and let the unconventional in. It'll do you good. Well, you know, that's funny. <laughs> this is amusing. I, uh, yeah. I'm i a big fan of the unexpected and the unorthodox. Sure. I feel like if you know me, you might know that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like there is, artistically speaking, a fine line between the abnormal and the good. Like, just because something is unique and abnormal and wonky doesn't necessarily make it enjoyable. Uh, and if you did enjoy this, that's fine. I'm never going to, you know, cap on anyone for enjoying something. So I'd appreciate it if you don't cap on me for not, um, yes. because art is subjective and I think that movie was trash. Fight me. <laughs> you, I don't think you, were you trash the first time? I thought you were just like, it's okay. You now you're yeah, it just, was, it's trash. No, no, I was pretty cold on it. I yeah, really okay. didn't enjoy it at all. And I stand by that. I think I get the uniqueness of it and I kind of get what she was going for, but it wasn't enjoyable to me. 
So there we go. Well, as enjoyable as that voicemail was for me to hear, Lauren also said something uh, in addition to that that I enjoyed. She was like, you know, I was stoked by all the movies we got in a year that we kind of thought we wouldn't get any good movies given COVID and everything. And that's something you and I talked about on this top 10 is like, there's, there's a lot of really good movies on our top twenties. Even like they're there. It was a really good year for movies. I think you'd agree. Surprisingly good. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, once again, if you're interested in hearing the rest of that conversation, it'll be in our Patreon feed, which you get access to for just a dollar a week and you'll hear our uh, five through one. And it was really good. And you'll hear some honorable mentions for movies not to watch. Um, it's, I think it was a fun time, man. I had, and there's a lot of fun sound clips that I put in. So all in all, go to patreon.com slash fresh cinema. Give us a few bucks. We'd super appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks to everyone that submitted. And thanks for Lauren for challenging my opinions. I love I it. I feel like a healthy debate and dissenting opinions is, is what makes conversation fun. Like if we just agreed on everything all the time, this podcast would be so boring. Yeah. So uh, I would love to sit down with a beer with you sometime and talk about Dick Johnson and maybe some other movies that yeah. we disagree on before then. But keep e- emailing us. I need, you know, the famous thing is, you know, if you don't have some haters, you're not doing it right. Yeah. Speaking of that, Nick says that all the time. My friend Nick Land, who I guess now is going to get the shout out, even though I was deliberately not going to mention this, but whatever. He's always like, yeah, the couple of times I've had a guest host on who was more similarly aligned film wise with me. He was like, it was a good conversation. Like you guys were just like, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I also think the same thing. And they're like, well, okay, there's our talk. Um, and Nick's favorite <laughs> movie, which he, he mentioned in an email today, but I wasn't going to say it. He said his favorite was Moana. Cause I can't, I think maybe he hadn't seen it up until this year. Uh, or maybe no, he was just joking it's, around. It's just his favorite movie yeah, of all time. He just time. loves the movie. Okay. That's what it's I thought. The running joke is he doesn't see new movies. He just yeah. keeps watching Moana. Well, keep it up, man. Just, just keep watching that movie. You know, why not? Why not? It's a great movie. It's We're going to watch yeah, one movie. movie. Yep. Um, okay. Johnny Summers, I think that is all the housekeeping we have. Do you feel like starting into our beer adventure for the day? Let's do it. Okay. We have not explored the flavors of Dust Bowl Brewing since way back on episode 158 in January of 2020 when we drank a beer of theirs called Supine. Brewed with champagne yeast and boasting luscious tropical hop notes, it was dubbed a quote-unquote mega IPA, and I am pretty sure my buzz from that beer is still in my body because it clocked in at 14.4%. Now, our second beer of the show today is another quote-unquote mega IPA that's going to hit our palates at even more aggressive 14.5%. But before we get to that, why don't we start at least comparatively with something a little lighter? What are we drinking first, and how did you come by it? Yeah, so the first beer that we're going to be drinking is called Public Enemy. It is, like you said, a Baltic Porter, 9%. Comparatively lighter. (laughs) Comparatively lighter. It would usually be our second beer. But in this case, the 9% beer leads the show. So things are going to get real later. Believe that. Mm -hmm. I came across this beer when I was doing research into our history and seeing what beers we haven't done in like a year or what breweries, I should say. Right. And also, like, you kind of weigh that against what's available. And also, since we're doing two beers from every brewery when we can, it kind of narrows the field. But I was doing research. I was in Spike's Bottle Shop, and I was looking around, seeing what was available, what was new, uh, what beers had been released within the last few months that I was wanting to drink and I thought would make good conversation. Uh, I looked into it, and we hadn't done, like you said, this brewery in quite some time. So they fit the bill perfectly, and they had a new version of... Like you said earlier, the Mega IPA. Mm-hmm. And it's always fun to revisit stuff. And yep. then they had Public Enemy. And we don't do a lot of porters on the show, but I love like a straightforward beer flavored beer with no adjuncts. There's no coffee in this. There's no vanilla. It's just a Baltic porter. So yep. it's a very 
old school traditional style, like super traditional. Oh, I'll tell you all about it in a minute. Hit me with some knowledge, man. Well, well really quick before I do, um, this beer has been around from Dust Bowl for, I mean, not as long as the style's been around, obviously, but but it's got some accolades over the years, right? Yeah, it has. It actually won a gold medal in the 2017 Baltic Style Porter Great American Beer Festival. So best in show mm-hmm. at the GABF in 2017 for this style. And in 2017 as well, it also won the Los Angeles International Beer Competition. And just last year at the GABF, it won bronze for the style. So this beer is pretty pretty highly lauded, historically speaking. So I'm looking forward to getting into this one. Didn't know it was this... Um, gilded when I purchased it. Yeah. So, so Baltic Porter is one of those styles that I, whenever I see, I'm just like, you know, that sounds old. Like I know that's an old style. Porters are old. Baltic Porter, even more confusing to me. So I did a little digging. So here's everybody's weekly history lesson. And it's named after a guy that rode a boat, right? Maybe. This is also one of those styles that has so much sort of uh, history and lore. Like you're not even sure how much of it's true. And I think most of what I'm about to tell you is true, but I think there's a healthy dose of legend in here. I'll tell, okay, you do that, and then I'll tell you what I've heard. Okay, man. so basically back in the 1700s, there's this brewery in London called Henry Thrale's Anchor Brewery, and it was famous for its dark beers, and it shipped a strong version of a porter to Russia because the empress at the time, who I'm sure we all know was Catherine the Great, loved that style. And because of this, for a while, actually, the beer became known as an imperial stout. That has changed since, but back in the day, that's what they called an imperial stout. Anyways, after that, more than a dozen London breweries started producing strong export porters And through their different various agents, they shipped the beers through the Baltic ports into Sweden, Finland, Russia, Latvia, that section of the world. In 1819, there's a lot of names coming, but the point will be clear. In 1819, this Russian immigrant named Nikolai Senebrikov began producing his own version outside of Helsinki, Finland. Then Sweden started brewing a strong porter in the late 1700s. And this dude, William Knox, came from England to Gothenburg and built a brewery there. Anyways, this continues to the point that many of these breweries saw no need to maintain their warm fermenting ale yeast, excuse me, And these beers quietly became actually what we know now as cold fermented lagers. Anyways, people are loving the style. And today there's a bunch of breweries in the Baltic region still that produce these strong porters and they haven't all retained their original strengths, which were like 10% and higher, but they still typically have the same flavors, like licorice, roasty characters, high bitterness that we will probably see in this beer today. Um, Basically just flavors and beers that are made to travel long distances. Um, These days they land between six and eight. Today we're drinking one that is nine. Um, but they've been around for such a long time, and it's it's this style that seems to have gotten a bit of a renaissance in the past maybe 10 years in craft brewing. Um, and it's it's we'll talk about maybe in a little bit here um, f- beers that we've done on the show for sure of the style, but maybe just beers, Baltic Porter specifically that you and I have had and really enjoy. But what have you what have you heard about the Baltic Porter? Well, it was mainly just porters in general. That's oh, okay. way more regionally specific because I mean porter was a. Yeah, a person that worked in a shipping yard and they wanted a stronger beer, so they made this for them, and that's why they called it a porter. That's like the the legend, but I, it, there's yeah, probably some true. truth in that. I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. and I think this Me is too, just man. the more specific. Um, I don't yeah, see regional. things that aren't true. Yeah, of course, you're honest, Abe. That's what we call you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so back to Public Enemy from Dust Bowl. Have you poured it? Have you tried it? I have. I've been sipping on it while you were edumacating us. Okay. Well, I didn't hear any groans of pain or discomfort or, or disgust. So good experience so far. Yeah. Those come with the, the 15% beer we're about to drink <laughs> later. Dude, I, we'll talk about it later, I guess. But I, that last time we did that beer, Supine, it really caught me off guard. Like it didn't drink like 15%, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. No, I like this beer a lot. It is very 
just traditional, man. It feels like an old school style. It's so straightforward. There's no frills. There's no bells. There's no whistles. It knows exactly what it is. It knows what it's trying to be. It knows how it wants to taste. And it just, it does that. It's a really nice drinking experience. It's it's roasty and dark, not too thick. You know, porters are always mm-hmm. on the thinner side. So you get like a bit more sippable experience. But yeah, it comes across as just like rich and and mouth coating. It's not thick, but it has this flavor that just kind of takes over your whole mouth. And it's it's roasty and like definitely toasted. And uh, man, it does have the bitterness, but almost like on the back of your mouth, it has kind of a um, almost chocolatey, I would say. Oh, for sure. Some, some like dark chocolate in there. And uh, I'm really enjoying this. It's quite nice. Have you had a chance to sip it yet? Yeah. I was going to say too. Yeah. The thing with porters is like some people will drink like, it's not as thick as a stout. It's like, well, yeah, it's not a stout. It's a different beer. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true here. It's, it's definitely not thick. It's, it's actually wildly drinkable. And I was just, as you were speaking, trying to look up some, I was going to go off the cuff, but then I thought I could look it up, but I didn't look it up in time. So what I was going to say is dust bowl beers, especially their bigger ones seem to be really drink, dangerously drinkable. Like mm-hmm. they've got, um, I think it's a, it's an Imperial IPA or maybe even a triple called, uh, called therapist. I think it's like 10 point something percent. They have a beer called dump truck of the gods. If I'm not mistaken, it's another mm-hmm. huge one. Obviously supine, this beer does not drink like 9%. And mm-hmm. there's this trend. Like, I think, I think their smaller beers are good too. Like Hobo Pilsner's super tasty. I'll drink that all the time. Um, but there's something really mischievous about their larger beers. And I don't know what the secret is, but they're all this sort of like sneaking high ABV stuff that you don't necessarily, or that you wouldn't necessarily be able to pick out as you drink it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. They're, they're sneaky, sneaky drinkable. Yeah. And at a nine percent, I wouldn't have guessed this is 9%. No, the through line that I noticed with those stronger beers though, is there is this sort of, um, underlying sweetness in all of them. This one included, there's, I would almost say less of a dark chocolate, more of a milk chocolate sweetness kind of on the back end that I Mm -hmm. think is probably masking that high ABV, but it's really good. Like it's not overpoweringly sweet. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm super into this on my first impression. Yeah. It's very nicely balanced. It's not too sweet. Like if this beer was too sweet, it would just be like gross. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Because of the bitterness, like it can't go too far in that sweet direction. It has to keep with that, that level of sweetness it has to keep that contained. I think any sweeter than this, and I probably would really start not liking it. Yeah, I agree. It's right on that cusp, but it's it's not it's not over. It's just the right amount of sweetness. I think. How do you feel about the the carbonation going on here? Uh, I like it. It's it's just a little bit bubbly on the tongue, but it's not crazily ferment, uh, fermented, uh, carbonated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I poured mine, and it almost scared me. I think it might have just been my dumb pour, but it, it bubbled basically like half my glass was head, and I was like, oh shoot, like maybe it'll be way too bubbly, but now on a second pour. Yeah, it's it's great, man, because it didn't taste overly carbonated or anything, which is exactly what you want in the style. Just want like a hey, nice, smooth, just, like a little bit of bubble. Imagine telling on yourself like that, like you just poured the beer wrong. Again, I, I'm a person of transparency, especially on this show. Like I will say when I've made a mistake, even if nobody would ever have found out, I'll just say it because I just feel better about it, you know? Hey, that's fine. Sometimes it happens. You just, whoopsie, oh, too much, too much pressure, too aggressive. Yeah, like we were about to start and I was like, I opened it. And then the moment we started talking, I was like, I better pour it real quick. (laughs) Man, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, let's, I guess let's talk about stuff you don't like. Is there much? I mean, not really. It's a really excellent representation of the style. I mean, there's not, as far as speaking points, there's not much else to say, man. It's, it does exactly what it's trying to do. It's, it's a very straightforward style. It's, 
it has depth, but not a great deal. I mean, it's a straightforward beer style. And I think the thing that I would praise the most is just the, the good execution of that, that, you know, it's not always easy to, to execute a really classic style that is recognizable strictly by its flavor profile. Yeah. Um, so to do that and create a really good version of it, cause I've had some bad ones, man. I've had lots of porters that just get too ashy, too much yeah. bitterness, you know, I think my favorite porter of all time is coffee and cigarettes mm-hmm. from cellar maker. <laughs> you just, you're like, and I don't like ashy ones. Then you think of the most ashiest thing you could think of. A it's cigarette. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Coffee and cigarettes. Yeah. It's but it's not ashy. It's, no, it is a smoked porter, but it strikes that lovely balance of just coffee and smoke. But yeah, you know, as far as like non-adjunct, no flavor involved Baltic porters, there's only a couple. Like a couple come to mind, like the one from Twenty First Amendment. I really like that one. Oh, I God. for some reason can't think of what that is. I'll, I'll look it up. God, uh, I'm sorry. He said. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that beer a lot. And then also just the porter from Alaskan. I like that beer. Oh, quite that's a, a bit. solid beer too. Yeah. Yeah, they just make a Baltic porter, not the smoked porter, because that tastes like barbecue sauce. Yes, uh, but they're just their Baltic porter from Alaskan Brewing is really nice. And then any of the other ones that you know I've gone back and thought about get really deep in the weeds with stuff in them, mm-hmm. like bit like super honorable mention to Moody Tongue. Oh. They did a chocolate churro Baltic porter that I really liked. It was like liquid candy. Nice. It was it was like a pastry porter. Um, but we're not talking about pastry porters. We're talking about just straightforward ones. And we've talked about, you know, like Sierra Nevada's porter in the past. That was just an underrated porter. beer. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. Albeit not a Baltic, just, I don't think, but still, a, no. you know, Secret Trail does a does a Baltic porter too. I, uh, maybe it's just called Baltic porter, but it, maybe someone's going to get mad and email us. But I, that's a good beer too. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. It's one, I find myself when it comes to beers like you're describing, like more of a stripped back, not much to hide behind style. Like, mm. and maybe it's just cause I'm not the most educated beer person in the world, but I find myself often being like, it's like when I talk about Pilsners, it's like, it's clean. And that's like the highest praise I can give it. Like there's nothing really to pick out. Like it's smooth. It's clean. It's right there for you. It's, there's nothing hiding behind any carbonation or any sweetness or anything. It's just like, this is a well-made beer. And this is pretty mm-hmm. close to that kind of praise for me. Right. Exactly. There's, there's no chocolate or coffee to hide behind. You're yeah. just. You're going off of your malt bill and you're going off of just, you know, manufacturing and the recipe is really good and it was very well executed. All right. Do you want to give it a rating? I do. This beer feels like a 7.7 for me. Hmm. Can I ask why it won't go up to an eight? I travel for an eight. Yeah. I mean, what's keeping you from traveling for this one? I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, this just isn't a style that I would find myself wanting to go out of my way to acquire. Yeah. It's good, but there's, there's really good non adjunct porters around pretty much all the time. There's a few breweries like anchor makes a porter that you can just go grab a six pack of at any local bottle shop that would scratch this itch just as adequately for me. So, Oh, then, um, then question there. If, if you saw them side by side, which would you go for? Ooh, well, this was in a 16-ounce single can, mm-hmm. um, and honestly, I'd probably go for something in a 12-ounce six-pack just yeah, okay. because yeah. serving size is more user-friendly. Yeah, um, that makes sense. But if I was going for a single, like, this this would stand out if I was looking for, like, a porter or a... Even, you know, if I was in the, in the mood for just a non-adjunct stout, and sometimes those are surprisingly hard to find these days, this would be a beer that would 
scratch that itch potentially. It doesn't have the body or whatever, but it has the flavor that I think a lot of stouts that are not filled with stuff have. Yes. So this would scratch that flavor profile itch in a, in several categories. Yeah. So um, this might surprise you. I'm going to go with a nine out of 10. I think, wow. I think it's really good, man. There's something about the body of a good porter that is so light seems, if I say the word light, it almost feels misleading because it's not a light beer, obviously. And it's not necessarily the lightest drinking experience. Like put it next to a Pilsner or a Kolsch or something. And, and clearly it'll be the heavier beer, but it does evoke like something about it is just like, it could work in almost any season. Like you could stick it in a, a horn and you could eat it with, or drink it with like roasted beef or something, or you could like have it with eggs and bacon. If you're having, my wife's been watching a lot of game of Thrones lately. This is probably where this is coming from, but like, it just mm. seems like a great all around beer. And I won't ever find that in an Imperial stout. And I won't often find it in an IPA. And I just think there's a really special place where, where one of these beers can land in my heart. And this one has done that. Nice. And that's really true because the more I drink this and the little bit warmer it gets, those chocolate notes at the finish are yeah. coming through and they're really balancing it out super nicely. They're just like whispering in my ear, little chocolatey sweet nothings. Yeah. And I like that. I, I like chocolatey sweet nothings. Yeah, who doesn't, you know? So this is readily available. Uh, if you like what we've said, you should definitely give it a try. Yeah, where can or where did you find it? I suppose this all of our beers today come from Spike's Bottle Shop. They're one of the the many mm-hmm. places I shop for beer for the show. But just so happens they had everything in my criteria this week. So this one and our second beer both from Spike's Bottle Shop, and they had plenty of both on the shelf. So go get them, Johnny Summers. It is the time of the week. May I please update you on beer madness results? Oh, please, dude. I heard there's some crazy stuff happening. Okay, so we're in the final four, or rather, we were in the final four, and now we have some results from those. But first, I wanted to uh, kind of apologize, but also um, say thank you to people. I added some extra questions on our website this week, and those questions were, have you listened to our show before? How did you hear about Beer Madness? And how likely are you to listen to the podcast after Beer Madness ends? Now, none of this really matters, except there are some really, really courageous people because the options on question five, how likely are you to listen to the podcast after Beer Madness ends? Uh, the options are, I will live my life by the code of Fresh Hop Cinema. I will subscribe to whatever. Uh, one is like, I'll listen whenever I can. There's like, I'll listen occasionally. Occasionally, There's one that says, maybe if you're lucky. And there's one all the way at the bottom that says, never. I'm a jerk, but I'm honest. <laughs> the, how many people do you think picked never? I'm a jerk. Oh. And this is a mandatory, this is a mandatory question. <laughs> Yeah, probably a dozen, sounds like. Uh, no, it was about 40-something people, <laughs> which is not like the majority by any means, but it's still like 40 people were like, nah, I don't care, <laughs> which I at simultaneously respect and despise, but it doesn't matter, does it? Who cares? But also, a lot of people might have picked that because it's hilarious. Yeah, it was. I worded it so well that I was like, maybe I'll click this. I, I run right? the podcast. I thought, maybe, about, maybe I'll I thought about clicking it when I voted. I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, okay, but but to more pressing matters, we had a matchup. We had Num Num Juice from Fall River going up against Socks and Sandals from Humble Sea. Socks and Sandals from Humble Sea has had anything but a humble trajectory in this bracket. It's knocked out some incredible beers along the way. Num Num Juice from Fall River, Fall River being our champion from last year, big time, um, maybe on paper underdog, but local favorite. So this was going to be a contentious matchup. Johnny, I know you don't have the results in front of you, so I will just tell you the way it came out was 73% to 27%. The winner being Num Num Juice from Fall River moving on to the championship round, which is uh, actually now live. If you're hearing this now, you can vote on our website if you'd like to. 
Though, something strange happened. In the other matchup, which was Make America Juicy Again from Heretic, another one that's been sweeping the bracket, going up against local favorite Greengate from Secret Trail right here in Chico. Um, we've only done this thing for two years, our second annual Beer Madness. So to say this has never happened before isn't maybe the most gravitous statement ever, but it still is something. And the thing that happened is that we had a dead even tie. <laughs> That's which insane. It's it's insane for a lot of reasons, which I won't spend time on now. But um, as the final votes were trickling in, Secret Show made one final push today that kind of brought it up to speed. They were behind and then and then caught up. Um, and the last time I had checked before the poll closed, it was like fifty one point two one percent to forty nine point whatever seventy nine, I guess. And it was the closest I'd ever seen this sort of thing. And then the poll closed at noon, and it was fifty fifty. So. Johnny Summers, I propose to you on the fly a sudden death matchup. Well, yeah. It will look like this. If you're hearing this now, which would be Thursday afternoon, you can vote all the way until Friday at midnight. We will have this sudden death round where the winner of that very short poll will go on to the championship round. You can either vote for Make America Juicy Again from Heretic or Greengate from Secret Trail, and you can vote on our website, freshhopcinema.com, and you'll find the link there. Uh, I'm still reeling from this. It's very exciting to me. I checked. I was like, oh my gosh, what are the odds of this? How exciting. We get to, we get to explore sudden death. That's so fun. <laughs> I just thought it was great. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's insane. Um, and then, so once, once, uh, that winner is determined, our championship round will begin, which you can then check back on our website and you can vote in that. And that'll go until, uh, till next Thursday, which I don't have the date in front of me, but the, the Thursday after the one you're hearing this on. Yeah. So when will voting on the championship round begin? That will begin, sir, let me tell you, Saturday morning, the 17th at 8 a.m. Okay. That's important. Yeah. So remember that. In the final championship round, yeah, once we've decided the winner of this little matchup, this little tie-off, the sudden death match, you got Saturday, 8 a.m., all the way until Thursday, the 22nd at midnight. Tell your friends. Ooh, this is exciting. It's going to be it's gonna be a thing. It's going to be a whole thing, and we will crown a championship on that Friday's episode, which will drop at 8 a.m. on the 23rd. So, Max, we're all dying to know, when does voting for the championship round begin once this sudden death fiasco has been figured out? Right. The polls will be live Saturday the 17th at 8 a.m., and it will not go until Thursday. It will actually go until Wednesday uh, at noon, as all of these other rounds have. So Wednesday the 21st at noon is your last chance to vote in the championship round to determine the winner of this year's Beer Madness. Again, polls open uh, Saturday morning, 17th. At 8 a.m., close noon on the 21st. So tell your friends, get your votes in, that sort of thing. And, and, you know, play a part in this. It's a lot of fun. And do it, I think, is probably the way to go. Yep. Just do it. Um, Johnny Summers, we have a movie to talk about this week, as you may have guessed. And I think that I should play a trailer for this film. Do you want to give people the disclaimer about spoilers? Yeah. We're not going to do any for a while. We'll let you know. It's not until a ways down the road. So we're going to be having a pretty in-depth discussion in a way you'll see why in a minute of the movie nobody and here is a trailer for that so they took maybe 20 bucks and an old watch mr madison did you even take a swing no could have taken her dad heard you had some excitement last night i wish they'd have picked my place you know why didn't you take him out I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You okay? Because you don't look okay. There's a long dormant piece of me 
child so very badly wants out. What are you still doing here, old man? I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> been a hell of a day. You can see that. For 12 years, I worked for some very dangerous people. Everybody get to the basement. What is happening? Don't call 911. I used to be what they call an auditor. The last guy anyone wants to see at their door. Because it meant you didn't have long to live. But I left it behind to start a family. I might have uh, overcorrected. When you left, you'd abandoned a certain debt that needs repayment. And your creditor is aware of your resurrection. came after my family. They stole my kitty cat bracelet. And you don't fucking do that. Give me the goddamn kitty cat bracelet. You look like shit, Dad. You should see the other guys. Who the fuck are you? Me? I'm nobody. Again, that was a trailer for the film Nobody, directed by Ilya Neischuler, who directed Hardcore Henry back in 2015, which neither of us have seen, but that's okay. This film had a screenplay by Derek Kolstad, who did all of the writing on the John Wick franchise. I'm sure we'll talk about if that felt similar to this movie. But this film starred Bob Odenkirk as Hutch. His wife is Connie Nielsen. Uh, character's name is Becca here. Riza is in this as Harry. That's Hutch's half-brother. And there's a bunch of other people we can talk about. Um, I suppose the dis- disclaimer is uh, worth throwing out. I had a bit of uh, family stuff come up in my life this week. So last minute, I had to cancel on seeing this movie. So I haven't seen it. So this is going to be mostly Johnny talking about his thoughts with me asking a couple of questions after I also tell you that this movie came uh, to theaters March 26th in 2021 and will be releasing to streaming this Friday, April 16th. It also runs a very digestible, I would assume, sir, uh, 92 minutes long. Yeah, it was a tight 90. Felt good. Felt felt just as long as it needed to be. Yeah, this was suggested to us by friend Big Bald, Austin, patron of the show. So, Austin, here you go. I know we talked. Um, I'm sorry I didn't see this, man. I re- like I was really for it. Like You made a really great case. Like, you guys got to see it. I was like, all right, you've convinced me. And then, lo and behold, I did not see it. But, Johnny, you did. So, what do you think about Nobody. So, initial thoughts. First of all, if you haven't heard of this movie and haven't seen a trailer, here is a brief synopsis slash idea of what this is all about. Hutch Manziel fails to defend himself or his family when two thieves break into a suburban home one night. The aftermath of the incident soon strikes a match to his long-simmering rage. In a barrage of fists, gunfire, and squealing tires, Hutch must now save his wife and son from a dangerous adversary and ensure that he will never be underestimated again. Yeah, that sounds kind of John Wicky. 
It does. And I didn't know going into this that Derek Kolstad had written the screenplay. Uh, it is not surprising at all because his fingerprints are all over this movie. Mm-hmm. It does have kind of that John Wick formula per se, but it's different enough for it to work for me. So we have this character in Hutch that is very unassuming. It's not a John Wick situation where you're like, all right, this guy looks like he can kick some serious tale mm-hmm. like it's he you're dealing with like an accountant like a lot of this the beginning of this movie his character is established as like a pencil pusher he's basically entering like payroll into quickbooks and excel sheets and stuff so it's bob odenkirk and it's bob odenkirk like, it's like better, better call, call Saul. Saul. yeah like it's, it's that better guy. call Saul, if you don't know his name sake. that's who it is so yeah yeah that makes exactly sense. So you're not anticipating this. I mean, if you've seen the trailers, you kind of are, but we'll put that aside. Sure. So you have this character that is, you know, kind of mild-mannered, doesn't seem very physically imposing. And what happens is you get taken on this journey of him dealing with a home invasion. And at first glance, it seems that he kind of, for lack of a better term, chickens out mm-hmm. and doesn't, he has the chance to attack one of them from behind after his son tackles one of them. And he doesn't. Mm. Uh, and later on in the movie, you find out why. Uh, and he's actually like surveying the situation a lot more in depth than you first see. I love how much so, you're dancing right now. I love it so much. You're like, oh, try yeah. not to give too much away. It's great. So, so yeah, try not to be spoilery. Appreciate so, it. so what you have in this movie is not something that's going to be nominated for any Academy Awards. Mm. It's definitely not going to like change anybody's life. What it's going to do is it's going to entertain you. I wanted this to be entertaining, engaging. I wasn't expecting as much humor from this movie as it delivered, which was really nice. I was quite pleased with it. I thought that the writing took itself not very seriously. It was like if, hmm, what would be a good comparison? Is if the John Wick franchise like had a baby with... Mm, something like a Chevy Chase movie almost. Okay. Yeah. But not in an over the top, this is a comedy way. It it definitely played more like a John Wick dark comedy kind of way. Okay. Uh they really let Bob Odenkirk flex a little in, in his comedic muscles, which I really liked. It made the movie feel unique and it gave it its own identity apart from the John Wick movie, which I think is very important Mm -hmm. when the screenplay is written by the same person. And it could have been literally just a low rent John Wick. And that would have been very disappointing. I think they made it unique enough. These characters had enough behind them to make me care about them and endeared to them in a different way than a John Wick. And it was unique to this movie. And it really, it worked. I think that the writing worked. It was some of the, there was a couple lines that were a little like over the top, but literally it was maybe two. The rest of them were actually genuinely funny. Um, But it didn't feel like it was ever super trying to be funny, which was nice. It was, if you or I were in these crazy situations and something absolutely ludicrous happened in front of us, like either one of us might've reacted the same way. So there was a, a grounded realism in the, comedic commentary which i thought that was was really nice it was well done Uh, i really really liked christopher lloyd as bob odenkirk's dad oh yeah we haven't said him yet yeah 
Great. Yeah, he was fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed him. And obviously, RZA is amazing. Mm-hmm. I was super hoping that they used some Wu-Tang music in this movie, but they didn't. But the soundtrack was, in fact, really good. I, I did enjoy the soundtrack. They used a bunch of like old school, like probably 30s and 40s and 50s music in this movie. Yeah. Um, and overall, I really liked it. It was very entertaining, an excellent movie to grab some popcorn. And it was a new experience, which I like. Uh, we're kind of getting this this formula now, like this wiki formula that's happening uh, but I feel like this this was unique enough to stand on its own two legs, and I think I think nobody's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. So here's, I mean, one of the things that I've been reading about this is that, well, in addition to everything you're saying, one of the other reasons it's not so John Wick is that you spend a little bit more time with this person as an actual character, whereas in John Wick, it's like, uh, spoiler alerts, I guess, for John Wick. Uh, you know, this guy killed my dog, and now boom, I'm an assassin. I'm gonna kick some butt, real hardcore. And here, you like, you kind of get to know him as a human. Um, which I think really works for a Bob Odenkirk character. Like you, I think you almost have to get endeared to him before you can get on board with like, oh yeah, he's going to do whatever he does in this movie. Like you almost have to just be rooting for him based on his personality. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was enough nuance to get to know him and see his mundane life. That's not very fulfilling and kind of, he's kind of like low key always being emasculated by he works for his father-in-law and gotcha. his brother-in-law is like this protein shake guzzling bro. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I know that. I know the type, you know, the type. Sure. So yeah, you definitely empathize with this character and then he starts to unfurl his inner awesomeness yeah. and does incredible amounts of violence. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it gets wild, man. It gets wild quick. I will definitely get more into it in the, the spoilers and in, in the danger zone, but I like this movie. I think it was definitely worth a watch. And big shout out to Big Bald for recommending it. I'm glad we did it. Nice, I'm looking man. forward to hearing your take when you do get to see it. Yeah. My final thing is there, there was a movie back in 90, I think it was 93 from Joel Schumacher. It starred Michael Douglas called Falling Down. Yes. And it was, yeah, I, th- I think we've talked about this in, in years past. Oh, I past. love that movie. Um, and it's all about sort of like it came out in that like five or six years where we were sort of like the internet was starting to do really well and people were getting sick of their corporate jobs, like office space, and like the matrix came out in 99. And, um, there seemed to be elements of, of maybe not being tired of corporations and the mundaneness of, of working in an office, but sort of being stepped on by society. And that's what I've gotten from the trailers and some random interviews. And I was just curious if that's actually part of the vibe of this character. There are definitely tones of that. Yeah. Um, you could see that a little bit. I mean, Falling Down went a lot deeper into delusional behavior yeah, and like yeah. serious mental health issues. But um, yeah, he was definitely like a man with a chip on his shoulder and it was kind of just at life in general, but it wasn't necessarily being bogged down by corporate America or yeah, what okay. have you. Um, it seemed to be more of like being haunted by shadows of who he once was. Mm-hmm. And having to cope with not being that. And that's yeah. as vague as I'm going to keep that. Yeah, okay. Well, then in the meantime, Johnny Summers, would you give me a rating out of 10 for the film? Nobody. Out of 10, it was an 8.3. Hey, that's very high. All right, great. <laughs> it was really cool, man. It was, yeah, it was unique. It was a fun ride. Uh, the only thing that I might want different is like more car chases. Okay. But that's just, that's, that's just like the John Wick 2 fan in me. Yeah. Like the, the car chase at the beginning of that movie was so good. Like 
one of the most well i think it was john wick 2 that started with the car chase right uh yeah probably yeah sure maybe all they, like, they could have all started like that right there's a horse like there in was, one of them yeah i think that was three cool yeah maybe <laughs> yeah but yeah the car chase in that was just so well done and like the perfect car chase like with where, where technology and filmmaking is at right now in action movies um but other than that yeah i liked it a lot eight eight point three for me once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. Nobody is in theaters right now. If you got a theater open near you, it will probably be there. If you do not, it's coming to streaming this Friday, April 16th. If you've seen the film or you're about to see it or you want to see it, we want to hear what you think. Email us, fhccast at gmail.com or find us on social media at Fresh Hop Cinema. Or you can just head to our website, freshhopcinema.com for film reviews, beer reviews, beer madness, and podcast episodes dating all the way back to 2016. To our KZFR listeners, the full-length version of today's conversation will be available tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., wherever quality podcasts are found. And to all of our podcast listeners, we'll be right back after this. If you find yourself tired and hungry from beating up your enemies with an iron fist, you should head down to the Handlebar right here in Chico, California. They've got everything you need, including liquor, wine, and delicious beer all of which you can consume at a discounted price during their happy hours seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. It's a fantastic place. They've got an amazing rotating lineup of beer, excellent food, a beautiful patio. I cannot recommend them enough. It's the Handlebar Chico right here at 2070 East 20th Street. This episode is supported in part by our friends down at the Commons right here in Chico at 2412 Park Avenue. They're a craft beer bar where you get to pour your own beers as little or as much as you would like. They've got a ton of variety, a bunch of great taps. You show up, give them your card. They give you a different card back and you scan it and you can try all of those beers. If you find one you love, you can have it all night. And if you find one you want to try a different one instead, you can do that too. Again, that's the Commons right here in Chico at 2412 Park Avenue. Go check them out. Danger Zone's not happening today because I haven't seen the movie. And that's what we figured would be best because I don't want to have it spoiled. And Johnny, from his, uh, well, from Johnny's glowing testimony, I do want to see it. So if you were looking for spoilers for that film, you do not get it because I'm going to go see it at some point. So we're moving right along into beer number two. Johnny Summers, you have either blessed us or cursed us with what is about to happen. So tell me about it. Yes, I would like to think a little bit of both. <laughs> wait, wait, who is, who is that that is speaking through you right now? What character know, man. is that? It's just me. I don't know. There's so like, many voices. Do you think a little just, bit of both? A little bit of both. <laughs> it's a weird, <laughs> mad German scientist brewer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It just happens. I don't know what half of the things I'm saying are. You know, I'm a lot to live with, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. But yes, beer two, prone, the mega IPA. 14.5% mother percents. Oh boy. Sure. It's working. Mother of God, this is big. <laughs> this is the second version of this beer. The first one we did. What episode did we cover that in, Max? Oh, I'll tell you right now. But the beer was called Supine. And yeah, we did it all the way back on episode 158, which you can still listen to. It came out in January of 2020. And also slight, maybe grammatical correction. I don't know if this is the second version of that beer. It's another beer that they put out with different hops. Uh, so it's more of a series than a than a sequel. Well, it's the second in the in the series, correct. then, let's yeah, say, correct. because this there's been none since Supine, correct? And uh, which they're all named after positions in which cats lay, which is fantastic. Love it. 
Yeah. So wait, I, on that note, describe the can. You might as well. I don't have it in front of me. You go. Oh, great. Well, it's this green and orange can. It's the, the top half is divided orange and the bottom is green, but there's these tigers that are just kind of napping, just sleeping tigers, which I feel is misleading for this beer because I don't think this beer will give off energy of a sleeping tiger. I think it'll be more like a screaming tiger about to attack me because again, 14 and a half percent, but that is what the can looks like. It's really nice to look at. So I thought we should shout yeah. it out. Totally. Although like sleeping tiger is a great like- band name. For one. Great band name. <laughs> for one. Yeah. Great band name. Yeah. And also, like, that's got, that's coiled up energy. Like, this oh, beer's sure. just sitting there waiting to just destroy you. About to pounce. To pounce. Yeah. On your face. What do they say about, uh, about, about, uh, prone on their website? They say the mega IPA family grows. For prone, we focus on hops with sweet fruit and berry notes. Idaho Gem, El Dorado, and Mosaic. I mean, those are good. Those are good words in my brain. Mosaic, obviously, being the uh, the goodest of the good words, but um, El Dorado being familiar. Idaho Gem, I would say for me, relatively unfamiliar. Oh, sorry. Oh, that I was a drink. I, was, I thought maybe, yeah, thought maybe you dozed off when I was saying uh, technical words there that were boring. <laughs> no, I, I was listening. Holy Moses. Yeah, what are you getting? You tried it? I tried it. Well, first of all, if you take a nice big whiff, this will make your nose hairs pucker. That is, I mean, that, despite what I said earlier, there is no hiding the booziness of this beer. Just, no. just on the nose. I was like, oh, good God. <laughs> okay, good um, though. Great. Wow, my chest is now hot. Sweet. Okay. My chest so, has hair on it. Yeah, so does mine. More than before. No, mine's the same. Oh. Give it time. You got to take a couple gulps. It'll it'll grow. I haven't tasted it. So, yet. man, yeah. All right. So I've gone in. I've tasted it. Immediately, it is sweet. It's definitely fruity. It is fruity like like a wine. This has mm. like very notes of of like a fruit wine with hops, and it's like dry on the finish. This is very confusing. I don't know what I just put in my mouth. I also feel that way. I don't agree with your assessment. I'm not getting a fruited wine or clean or uh, what did you say? Uh, uh, <laughs> dry finish is what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get a dry finish. I get a very sweet finish that that's very heavy and and very, um, um, yeah, real, real sweet. It's sweet, but it turns your mouth dry like immediately. Oh, that's different. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, gives my mouth. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um it's really hoppy, man. There, it, it's that weird balance. Like when I'm trying to think of a good beer example, like my brain always goes back to Simtra from knee deep. Cause that's kind of the first really, really big IPA I ever had, but it's got that sort of um, malty sweetness almost like they're throwing so much at the, at the wall and hoping a lot of it sticks and a lot of it does, but it's masking a lot of stuff like that wallpaper is about to peel when you pull whatever you threw at it off. Like there's a lot of yeah, stuff underneath it. And like, I'm about to, I'm experiencing all of it. Boy, this beer is is unique. Let me tell you. I mean, is this a quadruple IPA? It's it's I mean, big, man. I I don't know that I've had an IPA quite this big before. Yeah, this. Oh, is, that's not true. Uh, is, no, um, maybe Dogfish Head one twenty. Yeah, I don't know if it's even quite this much. No, it's got to be right. Yeah, it's close. I don't know. I'm gonna find out. I think. Yeah, I think it's fourteen. But they also do higher math. But that's not an IPA, is that right? No, it's something. 
Yeah, man. This is this is aggressive. Like it does say like aggressively hopped on the can, if I'm not mistaken. It does, yes, it does. And this is aggressively alcoholized too. Yeah, to, to clear this up real quick, 120 minute from dogfish is anywhere between 15 and 20% every on any given year. Dear God. Good God. That's so but there's that same like malty heaviness going on in this. Yeah. I've, okay. So we ahead. have to ask the questions. Yes, the we beer I was, questions, I was about man. to ask it, but you go ahead. You ask a beer question, then I'll ask you a beer question. No, please, you first, Age Before Beauty. All right, so is this, first of all, is this good? Okay. Is it drinkable? Is it an identifiable style? Like, is it hitting IP, excuse me, IPA notes that you enjoy? Because um, it's it's hitting me hard. Like, it's, <laughs> it's so Wait, are hot. Are you asking like, me or are you asking yourself? No, I'm asking the royal we. Oh, okay. Well then I will, of, of the, the, of, I'm just going to go first. It's, you said, is it enjoyable? Um, I don't think so. I don't think it's hitting the IPA notes, but it is fucking fun. Do you know it what I mean? It is like, fun, right? Like there's like, it's almost so extreme. It's not almost, it is so extreme that it's like, you almost have to be on board. Like you almost have nervous energy. Like I'm doing something naughty. I super do. And like, whatever, it's over the top. It's way too sweet. And I think my intro at the top of the episode was correct. Like it's, it's the ABV that I wish we were in the same room to split this can. But instead I am a person with a 16 ounce can and very little self-control sitting at a desk. That's going to drink this whole thing on a, on a Wednesday that we are recording this. And it's like, that's my night. And I think that's fun. This is America. It is. So for better or for worse, I do like it though. I don't think it's objectively good. Are you about to make America mega again? <laughs> yeah, or maybe for the first time. Fair enough. But what it's, what about you? Is this is this good for you? Is this is this the the notes you want in an IPA of this size? I remember the first one being so much more drinkable. So mm. for me, this is it's kind of a fall off in what I what I expected versus what I'm drinking. Okay. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, the first one was. We had even met, made a point to mention how drinkable their big beers were, and I feel like that sentiment applied to the previous uh, beer in this series, the the Supine. Yeah, I remember it being like really big and like a lot, but also like really good. Like I remember enjoying it. I'd like to revisit what I thought about that because I could be misremembering my own thoughts. It happens, uh, but this is. Um, this is simply aggressive. Like this, that's <laughs> yeah. the only word yeah. I keep going back to. I'm like, this beer is just it. I feel like this beer wants to fucking stab me. Of all the things that you could have gone with, there are tigers on the can. I I would have personally gone with like it wants to maul me or eat me or bite my arm off and then close down my attraction uh, for about a week. Tiger mm-hmm. King, anybody? That's right. Too long ago. It's about a, that's a year ago. It was. Um, but I don't disagree with the sentiment. It's, it's an incredibly aggressive beer. Um, but it's so fun. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't care. It's good. Like, it's fun to drink. It's, it's past that threshold for me where it's like, I, I'm not even judging it that critically anymore. I'm just like, this is cool. Like, I'm going to drink this. Sure. I do kind of wonder, and, and we might get to this. Um, there's talk of maybe an interview in the next uh, week or so. Um, and I kind of want to ask about like, like, what's your sort of core demographic that is buying this beer? And like, do people generally enjoy it? And if you yeah. serve it on tap uh, at the tap room, like obviously like eight ounce pours, I would guess, but like are people generally stoked about this beer? 
Yeah. I I don't know how many you've ever drank in your life, but I've spent my fair share of time in dive bars and I've consumed quite a few Boilermakers in what the my hell's, life. Well, there's your answer. What the hell's a Boilermaker? There's your answer. <laughs> a Boilermaker is a shot of whiskey and a beer. Oh, like combined? You drop it in. That's, well... I guess time and place. Uh, does it depend? Like, does it, is it specific beer and whiskey or like anything goes? Yeah. Come on, man. If you're doing that. In a dive bar. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not the time to be choosy about right, right. This isn't my brand of well whiskey. We cannot drop this in my PBR. Let's right. Relax like here, like the no. emissary of the boiler, boiler plate. Is that you boiler said? maker. Boiler maker. He doesn't like show up. He's like, ah, oh, does not qualify as a boiler maker because you have to only have the purest beer and whiskey. It's like what? It's like PBR and like Jameson, isn't it? Uh, it depends. It's it's usually like whatever's on draft and like well whiskey. Yeah, okay. Like PBR and Jameson's a little highbrow for a boiler maker. Oh, excuse me. On this, <laughs> yeah, it's a little too fancy. Sure. How about black um, velvet? Sure. Whatever you well whiskey. Plastic. Some Bartons. Some sure, Bartons sure. whiskey. Maybe I don't know. I mean, and not to to degrade this beer to the level of a, a well whiskey boiler maker, but I get the same vibe f- from it. Where it was like you dropped a shot of whiskey in a in a beer, and like I like light craft lagers, yeah. so like you're dropping whiskey in what I would consider a good beer, and it just changes it. It's a different thing. It's intense and it's cranked up and it's it's amplified to a level of like okay, now we're getting wild. Like you know. You don't just do Boilermaker, like have one Boilermaker and go home. No. Like that, you're a serial killer. You do that. You're like, there for the night. Yeah. Yeah. That's like what you do with friends. Like it's kind of the same thing with like a Saki bomb or like an Irish drop shot. Don't say um, Irish drop shot. It's called an Irish car bomb, you heathen. That is inappropriate these days. Is sir. it really? We, yeah. What's the, lot, why? Like, uh, I Because they're a terrorist weapon used by the Irish people to kill innocent people i don't know i don't think i've never heard that are you you're people you can say irish car bomb i'm pretty sure your favorite bar argus calls it the irish drop shot because car bombs insensitive yeah but they call all sorts of stuff different stuff to be like fun and trendy which or i love about of, them or less offensive i mean don't get me wrong i'll be the first if i could say irish car bomb i was just trying to, to I mean, you were cater the second to your on sensi- this episode i was trying to cater to your sensitivities sir i, I do appreciate but that. you're the one that's like Fuck it, we're going full car bomb. Well, so an I, Irish I mean, car, if that, it's an Irish car bomb. I agree, but it's on you. Like, who's, it, who's it offensive to? The people making the car bombs, or the car? No, probably the car bomb victims. I would say, I, but it's not called like, hey, can I get one round of uh, dismembered bodies that got exploded by an Irish car bomb? It's like, can I get an? It's like saying, can I get a Molotov cocktail? Like, that's another terrible thing, but. We're all but saying also, it. that's not a drink. It should be. <laughs> but it's not. Well, By the same logic, it would be like saying, hey, could I get a suicide vest? They have suicide shots. It's like a shaken up tropical drink. It's called a suit. No, that, I'm thinking of soda pop. Shoot. Yeah, that's when you mix all the sodas together oh, at I'm the Burger of, King. I'm thinking of a kamikaze. Sorry. Yeah. That's true. Which is basically still a suicide have- vest if the vest was a plane. Ooh. Yeah, which is you could do way more damage with a plane than a vest, way I think, more, and way more than a car bomb. So it depends on the yield. My logic I then says if we're still saying kamikaze, we can then say Irish car bomb. I'm fine with all of it. Like, <laughs> just so you know, like I was literally just yeah. saying that 
because I thought maybe you'd want me to. I've, I've you've never tra- heard you've such taught a thing. me to try and be better. I appreciate that, man. I, but I you're think- really you're going against the work that you've you've done in me, Max. You've gotten me to a place where I'm trying to think about what I say, and now I'm like. Fuck it. Let's have a car bomb. <laughs> uh, production note on the fly. If we do try to book this uh, interview or promote <laughs> this, maybe we'd be like, hey, Dustball, listen to our review of your first beer uh, where we don't go on crazy tangents. That'd be great. About terrorists and suicide yeah, bombs. Right, right. It's fine. The point is the beer is working, I guess. I guess that's the point. Um, no, the point is that it, it reminds me of a Boilermaker, and I oh. say that with all due, all due respect. Like It reminds me of a beer that has <laughs> had like a shot of, of liquor dropped in it because it's hot on the nose, it's hot on your palate, and it's hot in your chest after you drink it just like liquor. And it's like around the same territory as like most wines, and I love wine, and I get less burn from some wines. So sure. I mean, this is, this is an aggressive, aggressive beer. I like it because it's fun. It doesn't taste terrible. It definitely could be better, but I think for something that's 14.5%, it's, I don't know how much more drinkable you can make a beer that's 14.5%. So, like, I don't hate this beer at all. Yeah, I obviously don't hate it either. It's, it's, it's super fun and solid. We're basically drinking though, like, like you're saying, like, uh, a pint of, Basically wine level alcohol, which is yeah. nuts. They don't serve wine I mean, by the I, pint. I mean, I drink like a bottle of wine. I do so too, but they don't serve it like, well, I guess they do serve it like that, but they don't serve we it We serve you. it like that. <laughs> In like a pitcher. Like here's your, here's your pitcher of wine. Yeah, they do, bro. They call them fucking decanters because that's fancier <laughs> than saying here's a pitcher of wine. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, yeah. Okay. Before I lose control of everything, do you want to give this a rating or is there anything you're you're objectively not liking about this? Um, I mean, objectively not liking the heat, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably unavoidable, but at the same time wine does it, so I don't I don't know. Like what do you compare this to besides liquor and wine? That's that's where I'm having well, a hard time. Yeah, like so there's stouts you could compare it to. But beer-wise in the IPA category, I'm I'm lacking in comparison material here it's i think it's 120 i think it's dogfish 120 maybe some triple ipas from certain places but but i think the the more sort of culturally ubiquitous comparison is is the 120 minute ipa it's like so i don't know it's something i don't know if it's the malt bill or the alcohol combined with the hops but it's a very similar experience yeah all and i think when you're dealing with beer or specifically ipa ingredients that's kind of a mold that it's, it, I think this is just what happens when you yes. go this big with yeah. IPAs. Like this is this is just how it goes. This is mm-hmm. the what happens at the end of that road. So I don't know. Do we need to start a, a mega IPA category that we rank beers within? Let's, in uh, my mind, let's do Maybe. that instead of the seltzer bracket this summer. We'll just do mega oh. IPAs. Yeah, we'll just die. Yeah, we'll just literally be dead. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. Okay. So I like it enough. Um, mostly I think it's a fun sort of kitschy thing. Like, wow, 14 and a half percent. That's wild. Um, I don't think I would drink this again, both for flavor reasons and for practicality reasons. I don't often have days where I have nothing left to do. And I think that's a criteria of having one of these beers. I agree. Uh, I think this would be fun to bring to a share. Yes. Just so everyone can like get a taste of it. Yeah. Because I think this beer is probably Best and ideally consumed in about four ounce quantities, but if that, I yeah. mean, it's it's interesting. It's for sure different. 
it's going to like it's going to spark some conversation and if it doesn't drink the whole thing and then it will for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um all right dude, prone dust bowl out of 10, what you got? 6.9 cuz yeah, okay. it's freaky. Okay. Um 7 because I don't like decimals. Deal. We did it. Do you have anything else on this beer before we move on? For six bucks, it's worth a try. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you that. So six bucks, like comparing it to 120-minute uh, IPA, which is I think usually like 10 at least, right? For a 12-ounce bottle. This is better. This is as good, if not better, when you start factoring in price. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a unique experience. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about our weeks? Let's do it, man. <sighs> Welcome to Hot and Bothered. If this is your first time with us, number one, I apologize. Number two, that's where we talk about what's going on <laughs> in our lives. Um, sometimes that's movies. Sometimes it's music. Sometimes it's shows. Um, and sometimes it's weird life experiences. And I think this week it's going to be a lot of all of them. So I have a bothered this week, man. Do you have any bothered? I see your list. I'm not sure what to make of it. Are either of those bothered? <laughs> No, but that's hilarious. I love you. Okay, then I'm going to go first. Go first. I've been dying to hear about this. Okay. Okay. So some of you may not know, I, I am a musician by trade. I play music full time. Um, and that's been sort of a weird phrase during 2020, which is COVID, all sorts of the time, all the all the places. COVID, no music. Um, and that's been changing recently. And I've been getting emails from places I haven't heard from in a while. Like, hey, do you want to come play. And I'm going to try to tell this story in a way that makes it sort of okay. Like if I were to ever go back, um, it'd be fine. But the trick with that is I played at gold country casino and hotel. It's in Oroville, um, which is close to where Chico is. If you don't know the area. And I was booked as a duo for two nights in a row. And the first night I was, I was contracted to play with a keyboardist and the second with a drummer. And I was booked through a booking agency who shall, for the purposes of this story, remain nameless. And there's, 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 a, I don't know if there's a way to tell this story that is even going to be kind of okay for me going back. Do you ever want to play there again? Not really. No. Well then, but fuck I don't want to be a dick. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell it. I'll tell it the way I told you. If you're never going to play there again, who cares? <laughs> burn that bridge when we got, we're there. Let's burn it. Um. Anyways. So I've played at gold country a bunch in the past. Like they used to have this piano bar. And you'd set up and play four hours and like people would kind of wander up. It was on the second floor where like the only place by the buffet, right? Yeah. By the buffet, which by the way is not there anymore. Um, neither is the piano bar, but the piano bar was like sort of the, the spot if you didn't want to be on the gaming floor and you didn't have a hotel room. So you get people that were like waiting for their significant other to finish gambling or people that were like too tired from seeing all the flashing lights and had to sort of find a place to kind of fall asleep. That was the piano bar. And I played it for years, once a month. And it was just about the worst playing experience I'd ever had. So that was years ago. And then this booking agency reached out and was like, hey, do you want to play at Gold Country? It's not the piano bar anymore. It's like a different thing. They're trying to revamp it. And I was like, well, okay, that sounds reasonable. Let's do it. And as far as the piano bar being the worst playing experience I could have ever imagined, I was, uh, I was proven wrong. It's like they, it's like they knew what I was thinking about the piano bar. And like, we're going to, we're going to show you there's a worse thing that you could have to do. Um, so we had to set up in front of basically, if you've ever been to a casino, you'll know there's like a foyer and you walk in and then there's exit doors on the other side. And that's where we were. We were in between the doors, sort of on a riser 
put together with like a four by eight piece of plywood with like a shitty piece of carpet on top. Not big enough for two people. So it's like they Wait, didn't you were, know there was a duo. You were in the foyer? Yes. <laughs> you were in between the two sets of glass doors? I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I glazed over that because it's not it's not the craziest part of the story. And I've told it a few times. And like, that's just like, that's just scene dressing at this point. But yeah, oh that's my. insane. You're right. So like I walk up to the casino. There's yep. a door. There's two doors. That you open. Yep. There's like an airlock. There's two doors. And that's because of like the smoke. Sure. I think. Yep. It absolutely is. <laughs> So you're you're playing in a goddamn airlock? No, so we're past the second set. We're like the moment you walk into okay. the casino, I am on your left. Okay, so you're right where the Camaro that they're giving away normally goes. I think you're going is there usually a Camaro there? Or there's like some usually car? Something like that. You're in that. the building, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, that's where we are. Okay. So you're through the second set of doors just inside yeah. the building. Yes. Not what you would okay. call um a concert hall, a stage, a lounge, nothing of the sort. It's, 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 it's an entryway. Um, oh, so thank you. So we get there and like, this is what I will say of the folks at gold country, the people that were running it very, very kind. Um, they were doing, I think everything in their ability to give us a good experience, but it had not been considered from a musical perspective, which is a real shame when you are a musician. Yeah. Um, so like we get there, like, you know, I'm an hour and a half early because I'm a professional <laughs> and like the mm-hmm. stage isn't set up. So it takes like a half an hour for them to find where this riser is. And like, it barely fits me and Webster, my friend Webster playing keys. And like we made it work. Um, but the layout of that entryway is such that for the stage to be flush with kind of the wall, which it wasn't, it was like 15 feet out. Cause there was an outlet away and they were like, we can't leave the outlet exposed. So we have to put the stage on the outlet. So we're like, we're like in the middle, we're like an Island in a sea of smoke and addiction and whatever. It was terrible. Whatever. We're facing an escalator basically. <laughs> and either side in front of us at like 10 and two is like the gaming floor. So I, I, t- I asked the manager, I was like, Hey, like, where do you want me to like, <laughs> who do you want me to play to? Like, where do you want me to point my speakers? And they were like, well, you know, point it to the gaming floor. But when you turn it up, be sure that they can still hear the announcements because we're giving away raffle stuff. So don't be louder than the announcement mic. I was like, okay, that's fair enough, I guess. Um, still seems strange. I don't know why we are right next to the people making the announcements, but fair enough. So we get set up at this point again, like took 30 minutes to set up the stage. So I'm like running late now because I had to wait. So I'm stressing out. Um, and like, there's this house music. If you've ever been in a casino, it's never quiet. There's like, there's this like soundtrack that is, I swear to God, designed to keep you gambling. It's like, mm-hmm. like red hot chili peppers and like love shack, just back and forth on repeat. And as we're getting going, like, as I'm, we're about to start, I'm like, I go back to the person who again is very kind and was doing, they were all doing their best. I was like, Hey, surely you guys, we gotta, we gotta, can we pause the house music? I'm about to start. And they say, well, no, we can't, we can't pause that. Cause we have to make announcements. And I was like, yeah, but we could surely like we could pause the music and then keep the microphone live. So you could still make announcements. And they said, no, um, no one knows how to do that. Like, I guess like maybe the random iPod shuffle that was shoved in a broom closet somewhere, like nobody knew where that closet was. So we played while the house music was playing Oh my so God. you walk into gold country as a, as a customer, as a, as a hopeful dreamer, if you will. And you hear me and a keyboardist playing songs. And you also hear more music. 
<laughs> which kind of helps explain why there was nobody in our area while we were playing for four hours, two nights in a row. Because it, yeah, because it would just give you a headache immediately. But the other thing is there was no place for people to sit. Like there were games, like four or five close to us, but there was no seating area. And 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 the kicker of all this is that normally I'm not really like a, a snitchy kind of fellow, but the booking agency reached out to me uh, on Sunday morning. They were like, hey, just following up about how Gold Country went. And I wrote them an email, my friend, I will tell you. I wrote them an email. Ooh. And then like, and not rude, like I'll read you some of it because why not? Um, yeah. And they were like, hey, just following up. How did, how did it go this week? And I said, hey, thanks for following up. Things went as smoothly as they could have gone given the circumstances. Um, I said something like, I don't know that I'd say anything normally, but it seems like they're wanting to book more musicians and you guys are asking for feedback. So take this with that grain of salt. Um, and I wrote like, here's what I wrote. Truthfully, it was one of the most poorly thought out musical experiences I've had. They had us position all the stuff that I've just described to you, man. Yeah. Um, I wrote like, like four to five paragraphs. And, and the thing that rubbed me the wrong way is today about, I'm looking at my email now, four hours ago, I spent like an hour on this email. Like, I don't want to sound too rude, but like, I do want to give them an accurate picture. Four hours ago, I get an email back saying, <clears throat> we appreciate the feedback, period, and understand your concerns. Thanks again. And that was it. <laughs> and, Sweet. And it's not like booking agencies book you out of the kindness of their heart. They take like 15% off the top. And I could have sworn, I was like, this is what that 15% is for. When these experiences happen, this is when the agency reaches out and, and fixes stuff and like apologizes to me and like, you're important to us. You're an artist. Like we can make this better. Sorry. You had to deal with that. And there was none of it. And it yeah. just really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. That's atrocious. That sounds so like, oof. yeah. Yeah. Like when your songs were over and it was just bling, yeah. bling, 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 it bling, bling. bad, man. I got just. a couple of videos I'll show you, or maybe I'll, I'll put it in our, uh, our Patreon Facebook group because you have to see it to believe it. It was wild. Yeah. Anyways, that's my negativity out of the way. Mostly there's some more stuff. I mentioned there was some family stuff going on in my life, but that's not, not the time and place right now. So what is going on with you, man? Well, I've been consuming a lot of content. I'm still pretty deep in Star Trek, so it's, it's hard to pull away from that. But I have um, a concert from NPR and a new album that I'm excited about. So the first is uh, Tiny Desk has been putting out some really fun stuff. Uh, and including uh, honorable mention to a clipping mm. South mm. by Southwest meets NPR Tiny Desk concert nice. that they did that was absolutely fantastic. If you don't follow NPR music on YouTube, you should. You ought to. Yeah. Do they put out some great stuff. And one of the ones that I watched that I was completely absorbed in, in fact, just last night, was about a 15, 20 minute long Concert. It was a tiny desk from home uh, that Nathaniel Ratliff did. Mm. I think he probably had, there was a bunch of people he was playing with. Probably like a like an eight or nine piece. There was like there was lap steel. There was all kinds of stuff happening. Was but, it was it branded as like Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats? I think it's his band name. Yeah, it was just him. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he he released at least one album, I think two, with the Night Sweats yeah. that had like a very distinct vibe. Um, oh, okay. His his vibe as just performing as Nathaniel Ratliff is much more subdued mm -hmm. than that. He's very singer songwritery, very um, introspective. Like his whole set is just really encapsulating of the sorrow and overall melancholy that we've all felt in the last year. Just, yeah. just tinted with this glimmer of hope that like shines through as a through line to his set list. And 
it was, I, I put it on and I, I couldn't look away. It was one of those just completely engrossing moments and things that I've consumed that was just, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to yeah. watch it again. I love it. I love his music. I love his solo stuff because it is a bit more. Because, I mean, when you think Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats, it's, give me a drink. Um, yeah, 100%. You know, and it, it has a lot more substance to it. So I would recommend, one, for sure, please subscribe to NPR Music. It's, it's a fantastic store, source of music on YouTube. And two, check out this one specifically, Nathaniel Ratliff. Tiny Desk from Home. It just came out when I watched it last night. It was like three days old. So, Oh, nice, dude. Yeah. Well, I try and keep up with the, the kids these days, Sean. Yeah, might as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, all of my, my hot this week is pretty much music because my content has been movies for the show and mm-hmm. music and YouTube videos. Um, but, yeah, I am a big fan of the rapper slash, like, anti-icon, self-proclaimed, uh, Ghost Mane. He is very enjoyable to me. He is a pretty good rapper, like real fast, mm-hmm. real just very spitfire. Love but it. also he's got a very cool aesthetic. He's very, very like post-goth, like industrial. Um, his music, especially as it's evolved into the album, which I am speaking of, which is AI, mm-hmm. um, Anti-Icon was released late 2020. I love it. I love it. I've been just playing the crap out of it lately. Uh, It is very much like a mishmash of, like if you're an industrial person from like back in your youth, you'll understand this, but it's very like, like KMFDM meets like early Nine Inch Nails meets Marilyn Manson meets like... Wu Tang Clan. It's very confusing, very genre bendy, um, very unique in his artistic vision, and he's got a cool aesthetic. No, uh, no, and I, yep, no, I don't like him the up? way he looks. You look him up, yeah. yeah he's I a creepy. He's a creepy looking little dude. He looks like he saw Marilyn Manson. And was like, what can I look like to scare Marilyn Manson? <laughs> That's you a know, great like, way to put it. Although there's this yeah. one, there's this one picture of him where he's like he's got like long blonde hair and like no makeup on, like a little kind of creepy mustache. Where he's like, oh, that's kind of, I don't know, man. This isn't my vibe. But I looked it up and I felt like I had to say something. Yeah, you should check out some of his music though. Should have done that first. Yeah, he's got some good music, man. I like his stuff quite a bit. All right. Um, yeah. So that's what I've been listening to. Very contrasting, but also, I mean, that's. That's just who I am, dog. Fair. I keep it real. I listen to a little bit of everything. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, you got anything else this week? No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think we have a movie lined up or beer. No. So pretty much nothing to plug for next week. It's all a mystery. You know as much as we do at this point, folks. So let's hope we can pull it together and release an episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. Go vote in uh, Beer Madness. Why not? Championship round. Um this show wouldn't be obviously what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, our friends at the Commons, at the Handlebar. Um, thanks to all of our patrons. Look out for that remaining top 10, so top five, I suppose, in your feeds this week. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to submit your favorite movie of the year, you can still do it. Uh, email it to us, fhccast at gmail.com. Johnny Summers, are you all bueno? Yeah, man. If you guys think of a movie that we should cover for next week after you hear this, sure. let us know. We're open to input. We lo- we want to give you what you want. So tell us what you want, what you really, really want. <laughs> That's Johnny Summers. I'm Max Minardi. Drink great beers, watch great movies, and we'll see you next week. 
is Fresh Hop Cinema. <laughs>